Hey everyone, Dave Broadback here. This is the uh, audio for a lecture uh, in Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It used to be called Design and Analysis 1, but we didn't think that name was scary enough. Also check out the uh, YouTube uh, videos of uh, these uh, lectures. I guess I've now just committed myself to doing the YouTube videos. Anyway, check out my YouTube channel and you can find them there. Or also at my blog, people.ac.ca slash broadback slash blog. If you like statistics, well, you're going to love this. Lord, it's what she said to me, it's well gone. To sense it out and right, I'm on the next flight. To where the lights will never sleep at all. Okay, so today we're going to talk about something, I guess we're quickly not sampling distributions, I think is what I called it in the course outline. Um, technically, uh, oftentimes these things are called probability mass functions or probability density functions. I guess it really means roughly the same thing. Um, this is stuff that you've ran into before, but not from this angle, let's say, ever. So, let's slow it. You can plot the probability of any given score for a variable. So, a variable is just some number whose values can take a whole bunch of different they can take a whole bunch of different values. So any given score has a probability. Right? Probabilities range from zero to one, zero meaning it can't doesn't happen at all, one meaning it's certain. Right? The probability of all possible events is one. So all the events together. The probability of all the events is one. All of them put together. Right? Does that make sense? Right? That's, that's all the possible events. All the possible scores. 100%. 100%, right? 1 is 100%. Because the probability ratio is 0 to 1. Yeah, so if you want to think of it in percentage terms, the probability the percentage likelihood of all possible events is 100 and you want to think of this one, the probability of a, of a National Hockey League team winning the Stanley Cup is one. I said a National Hockey League team, I didn't pick one. There are 31 teams, but a National Hockey League team will win the Stanley Cup this year. It's not like out of nowhere the Greyhounds will be allowed to <laughs> And for reasons that completely escape me, maybe an expansion team will win. The upside down has become so weird. Hayes Golden Knights, whose logo looks like a Cylon, if you paid attention. Okay. So that means if we have a curve, because we can plot this, we can plot the probability of score, right? So this is our picture, if I if it was any chalk. Here's the chalk. If we could plot some score, the probability of some score, right? And it could be any value, it doesn't matter. If we somehow knew the probability of every single NHL team winning the Stanley Cup, which we don't, but if we did. Well, we could at the end of the season, it's all zero for everyone, and for one team, it's one point up. The area underneath that curve, right at perhaps the biggest Golden Knights, <coughs> excuse me, I just threw up my nose a little bit, um, <laughs> would be. 100%. Right? So any score, no matter what one, we can just go through if we want to. 
and this probability on the x-axis, or the y-axis, and the score on the x-axis, the value of x, the area underneath that curve is 1. Because it's all the probabilities of every possible score. Does that follow? It makes some sense, right? So what about a die roll? Let's think of the classic statistics examples involve coins, die, okay, dice, things like that. And I need a regular die, not one of those 20-sided dies that people use who have no friends. It's a joke. I have friends who play Dungeons and Dragons. You have to have friends who play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> well, I don't know you're playing friends, but um, <laughs> yeah, they've got social skills. They're friends. It's a joke. It's a joke. I, I, like I said, I've never played, but I have friends who can play, and they seem like nice people. My daughter plays. Uh, she seems reasonable. So that's fine. <laughs> so it's uh, 0.167 because there's a 1 in 6 chance of any possible dialogue. And if I put 167 times 6, I got 1 point. Right. Now, those are bars, and they probably shouldn't be. They really should just be little points. Let's not get too mathematical here, because it's going to get pretty mathematical shortly. So let's not overload the math yet. Okay? Makes sense, yes? over to everybody's favorite distribution, the normal distribution. We've all got a favorite distribution, I'm sure. I like a good Poisson distribution. Enjoy a good Markov process. Some of these are just for me. Um, <laughs> so this is a normal distribution. Uh, I believe I typed into Google normal distribution, and this was the first thing that came up in Google Images. But you've seen something like this before, such that this is a standard normal distribution because there's a mean of zero and a median of zero and a mode of zero. Very nice. Mode, the least interesting of all possible measures of central tendency. It's not one you see that comes up much. What's the mode? I know, nobody cares. <laughs> so it's, and again, I'm making little jokes to myself, but I'm editing it. And a whole thing about Depeche Mode there, you probably never heard of them. Um, I just can't get enough of those kind of jokes, though. Nobody? See? Okay. So, this is the probability of any of these scores. That's what's on, it doesn't, it's not labeled that way, but that's what's on that axis. Like I drew over here in the. And we've got plus or minus a certain number of standard deviations. And in fact, you know these rules. You probably learned the rule that I think it's actually a Russian's name, but I always forget the name. Um, six, I call it the 689599.7 rule, such that plus or minus one standard deviation has 68% of the possible scores. So that means the area plus or minus point, uh, one standard deviation is 0.68 of this, all the area of this curve. The area plus or minus two standard deviations is 0.95 or 95%. Right? And the area plus or minus three, which we have here, here is 
99.7. Guess the area underneath that curve. certain characteristics that are with distribution. It has, it's unimodal. And we would have, typically you want to describe distribution, you want to talk about the shape, the spread, and the central tendency. Shape, it's unimodal. It's symmetrical. And it's called bell-shaped. And the standard global distribution has a mean of zero and a standard deviation of one. Why is this useful other than Dave wants me to know this? Which is a perfectly valid reason to know it. Many variables are assumed to be normal in the population. Note that I said they're assumed to be normal. Very often they actually are. You'll get this a lot in, in, in intro stats, textbook, um, homework assignments. Right? You'll say something like uh, the average life of a light bulb is assumed to be normal. No, it really isn't. Any good factory makes it so it's skewed all the way. It's skewed to the left, huh? right? And so it's, it's negatively skewed. But they're not going to make it so it's, oh, so we have light bulbs. You don't buy those anymore. But a lot of things are. I think human height probably is. I think human weight probably is for adults. That seems fair. There are some very small people, some very tall people, but most people are somewhere in the middle. Plus or minus 68%, one might answer, plus or minus one standard deviation, right? People often ask me, how are you doing? And I say, plus or minus one standard deviation. I'm right in the meaty part of the curve. I like to live there. I don't want to be either extreme. I want to be really happy or really sad. I just like to be right in the middle where everyone lives. Sensible place to be. I tried it. I'm not saying it's successful. Much better enough than fair. So we can actually use standard techniques to look at 
probabilities of score because we have a, a distribution that we know a lot about. Okay? One of the interesting things here is that sampling distributions are wrong. And then we know that through the central limit theorem. Right? So sampling distributions, a sampling distribution of mean is normal. So if I was to put that sort of mathematically, the sampling limit theorem. If we think of x bar, the sample mean, as a variable, which is a very strange thing to think of because you know, we calculate it. But I've said before, numbers don't know where they come from. So the sampling distribution of the mean, in other words, if we took the mean of a bunch of, uh, uh, of, a bunch of samples and then plotted out the probability of those means, this is where it's sometimes it's a little hard for people to get their head around this. Because we've got <coughs> a sampling distribution. Sorry, sorry, we have a population distribution which we don't know about really, at all. But we do have a sampling distribution. So we can take a sample mean of size, so we take a sample of size of 10, let's say. Or generally, yes, a size n. And we do that a whole bunch of times. And then we take those scores, and those scores are means, and we plot the probability of getting those means, we end up with a normal distribution. If I was to flip a coin ten times, what do we expect? How many heads do we expect? What's the expected value? Five. Five. That's right. We would expect usually to get five heads. So let's plot out the average number of heads we get. And let's just do this as a thought experiment. You, you can do this yourself if you have some free time. Feel free. I'm not going to do it. But this is a thought experiment. So let's just, let's just imagine if we're fine in the middle. We know that there should the expected value mu with the population should be half. Half the time we get heads, half the time we get Right? So we should get five, typically. Most commonly. Are we going to get six heads sometimes? Yeah, sure. Is it more or less likely than getting five heads? 50-50 chance, guys. Less. Less. Thank you, guys. That's six. Hmm. You think that, what's the chance of getting four heads? You think it's probably the same as getting six. Does that follow? Yeah. That does, doesn't it? Right? It makes some sense that just intuitively, don't worry about math, right? Just intuitively, we should get four heads as often as we get six heads when we flip a coin ten times. 
What about seven? That's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to be less likely than six, but it's going to happen. It's probably quite a bit less likely than six. And three, then, is going to be just the same likelihood. We're going to get two sometimes, or eight. Sometimes we're going to get one or nine. Sometimes we're going to get zero. And exceedingly rarely, because this is a fair coin, we're going to get zero or ten. It's going to happen, it's just going to be very rare. It's going to be pretty good. It's going to happen. Whoa. Wait. Look at that. That's pretty. But that's just intuitive. If you'd like... I can go back to my office. Oh, I can't. It's in my office that's been shut down due to construction. I can go get my, my graduate stats textbook and show you the proof of the central limit theorem, which would likely help no one, if me included. But in fact, it is the case that any sampling, any sampling distribution of the mean, no matter what the parent population shape, matter what the shape of the parent population is, we can tell you what the, what the sampling distribution will look like. It'll be normal. Holy, that's cool. It'll have a, it'll be normal, that's what the big end here means. It'll have a mean of mu sub x, meaning the average average the average Sample of the sampling distribution will be the same as the average for x. And the standard deviation will be sigma over the square root of n. In this case, we have 1.14. It also says it'll be sigma over the square root of n. Because if once we get let's think of this one. The variance of this equals this. Variance of x bar equals sigma squared over n. So the bigger the n, x sigma squared doesn't change. It's a parameter. Population parameter. We don't know, but it's, it's there. I can do it with a with a coin because there's a, there's a quick there's a quick way to actually figure that out. But then that. Then that. Sigma squared over n. Hmm. 
Well, what were you going to say, Jim, the bigger the end? Well, the bigger the end. So let's say we start out with, well, we have the number here, 10 times. Would that distribution, again, just intuitively, would it not get tighter if we had more coin flips? Instead of doing 10 coin flips, we did 1,000. You're not going to expect a whole lot of times instead of and it's at least you're not going to expect 600 coin flips out or 600 heads out. It's going to really tighten up. What if we were able to do all the possible coin flips that have ever or ever will be done? In other words, the entire population of coin flips, which is something that's like, whoa, wait, what? How am I going to do all the coin flips? Because you're magic and you're a god. Okay. It's not one of those interesting gods like American gods. You're just either god of coin flips. We get all the possible coin flips. Then we get it again. We're going to get the same value every freaking time because we're not measuring the population anymore. It's the anymore. We're measuring the population. As n gets bigger, the variance of x bar gets smaller. And in fact, as n approaches infinity, Infinite number of coins of us, all of us, will ever be done ever and all have been done in the past and the future. This is the worst episode of Star Trek ever. <laughs> but, spot the little coins of us. So, sigma squared over n. Let's get a little mathy. I'm going to write something down that you may have seen. I hope they still teach this. What's the limit as n approaches infinity of sigma squared over n? Remember limits? Remember you learned that? You thought, nobody's ever going to bring that up again. I just did! Ah! I have to do something you did. Not bad. I have been out in this class since about 2002 when people cheated on a quiz. And I went, yeah, more than one. And I went into a whole thing about being mean to a blind guy that cheated. It's great. Play the cards you dealt, man, is what I say. <laughs> so, what happens? What happens to this quantity, sigma squared over n, as n gets infinitely large? What's going to happen? Anybody here remember doing limits in high school, first of all? Put your hand in your hand. Okay, so some of you remember doing limits. That's nice. So some of you remember your some high school math. Who here was told, don't take math anymore, you'll never need it by their guidance counselor? That's great. That's wonderful. Way to go on guidance counselors. Sigma's a set value. It just gets smaller and it gets to be closer to infinity. What's what's that thing going to become? It's zero. It, 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 it becomes zero. Because now we're measuring the whole population. So we have no variance in the, in the, in the next bar because it's always the same damn value. Right? 
give you a key point, which is that sigma squared is fixed, but n's get bigger, and as a fraction, so the denominator, so the denominator gets bigger, and the top thing numerator is the same. I never can remember those things. By the way, less than greater than signs, I still remember as the alligator's note points towards the biggest piece of food. So that was top hat in my grade three. So that thing gets huge on the bottom. Top is it's so small that it's now zero. Ever need. So I can show you I can show you the proof, but it doesn't help. But I think intuitively you see why this works. I hope. Okay, questions? I won't throw any chalk anymore for a while. I kinda like doing it now. I would never throw chalk at people. So let's think that it's just any distribution. Any probability distribution. What's the probability of getting a score with this weird rectangular distribution that I've never seen in my life between 3 and 7? Well, it'd be the area between f at 3, all the functions, and f at 7. It'd be the area of that sort of house-shaped thing. Right? Does that fall? Excellent. So it's the area under the curve that we're caring about. It's the area under the curve. Is that the piece I threw? I mean, it didn't reflect the background. So I shouldn't do that. It's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a whole eye joke thing, Curtis and I, that we can do. Nobody else really in the room can do. So it's perfectly cool. Yeah, until somebody else. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you've never heard that before, right? I use it all. I'm sure you do. And then people feel uncomfortable. That's, my, that's, my, awesome. that's why that's you do it, right? Oh yeah. That's when you win. I know. I think. Have I told you the time that I was at a podcasting conference and I was read this thing on a boat? We're on a boat. I don't want to a boat. Um, and there's a friend of mine, Brent, and he's uh, really screwed up leg from some genetic disorder. Uh, and he calls himself a cripple. And I'm calling myself blind. And we were just doing it really loudly to see if we made people feel uncomfortable. It's the best. Oh yeah, it's the best. It's the best thing ever. Especially when you don't really know somebody. Oh yeah. Well, you know, we kind of knew some of the people, but half of the people, there's a lot of people that they've never met us. Yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Easy, simple geometry, right? You go back and take a look at that um, shape. You got a square. I hope you know how to find the area of the square. I'm not showing you how. <laughs> and then the area of a triangle. That's not that hard either, right? It's a half base times height, I think, right? So you, you could do that, I guess, if you were into that sort of scene. So that's pretty simple geometry. You could do that. In fact, it's pretty trivial. So if it's not a common shape, though, and the, and the normal distribution, thinking about it, is not a common shape. It's a weird-looking thing. Anybody here find out how to do, you know, even like grade four, they're showing you areas of shapes. They never said, oh, and also a Gaussian normal distribution. I didn't calculate that. I don't know why your teacher would speak like this. I don't know what that was. 
grade four teacher who talked like that would be, I don't know, any teacher talk like that. Give me your calculus. I think I said It's okay to have it. I'm just curious. Nice. Tell me. You think it in university or high school? Okay. They used to make it. See, at Western, they, to do stats, you have to do mathematics. Now, there is a course called, I don't know, Applied Linear Algebra for Social Science Students, which is really easy. So there's also Introductory Calculus for Math Majors, the idiot brain over here took. Who wants smart little thing little? And it was great up until about March. And it was like, um, okay, you lost me. That's what I was. I have no idea. That's the guy I told you about, Dr. Cochran, that had the. Is that, I was going to say, is that yeah, right? You just told to get seven. seven. Yeah. yeah. And I got up. He knew everybody's name in the class, 250 people. And we're literally doing this stuff. And I got up to leave because it's like, I, I can't. I don't understand what's going on anymore. I'm, I thought I was smart. I'm here on a freaking scholarship. I didn't know anything, right? First year. And he's like, Mr. Broadback, where are you going? Oh. And I said, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, this is no fault of yours. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm, you're wasting my time and I'm wasting yours. He goes, well, then, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I did okay in the course because everything up to March was easy. It was a full year course. Back to March, Did you see oh, help? No. Yeah, I got an 80. <laughs> well, no, because I got like 100 and everything up to March. So is it fair to say that you went and sought help afterwards? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I tried. I kept trying. Yeah. I kept trying. I went to tutorials. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. a math graduate student trying to teach me stuff. I'm like, I don't know. I tried. But it just stopped making sense to me. It was like uh, Taylor and McLaren series. And I kept looking at people like, well, that's, I don't know what that means. It was things like area under a curve? Oh, I can do that. It's the integral of the function between 3 and 7. If you don't know how to do that, don't worry. It's not a big deal. Some of you, I can see smiles on some of your faces. Oh, right. I remember doing that. And then if it's a solid, you spin it. I could do that. It was we got to these weird series. It's like here, here, right there, understand. It suddenly felt like I, it was, the whole course was suddenly being taught in an entirely different. It was like I was an alien from a stupid planet. You know, it's like you know that episode of Star Trek. Make us go, Jordy. It was like that. Make us strong. We want to go. One could do calculus. So you might say, I don't know how to do calculus. Oh, that's too bad. Um, it actually is a shame people, people should learn calculus because the basics of it are really beautiful. Math describes beautiful. It's very cool. Um, but, so calculus is a neat thing to know. And I think, in fact, people should know some calculus just because it helps you. Helps you understand some really basic things with the universe, which is a neat thing to know. Like, it's just cool. But, okay, so the normal distribution, so if you actually knew the function, it looks like this. Holy jumper. So f of x, so it was y equals, I'm never going to ask you this. 
I don't know this off the top of my head. I know by looking at it right now because I can read. 1 over sigma times square root of 2 pi times e to the negative x minus mu over 2 times the variance. Now, if you do know some calculus, you can look at that integral and go, that's a hard one to do. It's got exponents in it. It's got the base of the natural log in it. It's, it's a hard... That's a bad... That's a hard one to do. It really is. So you just take the other functions. That, that sounds trivially easy. If you had any calculus, right? So just this, let's pretend we can just insert the program to calculus into you and just put the USB key in that. Slot back your head, I just insert calculus in there. And then you go, oh, easy. So if I wanted to know the percentage of people that have an IQ between 95 and 107, I would take this integral and I would plug in 95 and 107 into where the x is, and I would plug 100 into where the mu is, and I would plug 15 for all the sigmas, and I could actually do this once I took the integral of that. You take the integral, it gives you a different equation. One could theoretically do this. Sure, go nuts. But the funny thing is, did we ever teach it to you that way personally? Right? We could make it a little bit easier, and this is a reason why we've turned everything into zeros and ones, into a standard normal distribution. Because in fact, if we make the mean zero and the variance one, in other words, we turn it into z scores, the function is a little simpler. Now, it's simpler than it was, that's still not a fun integral to take. And again, if you've taken some calculus, you will look at that and say, that is not a fun one to do. That's one that's a bonus question at the end of a calculus test. It's like, try that one. You stupid kids, try that one, you idiots. You think you're smart? the base of the natural logarithm. It's 2.718281828 natural logarithm. Yeah, we'll apply that. But it's, it's, it's a constant. It's just a constant like pi is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different constant. So the base of the natural logarithm. Is that what E for Euler is doing? I'm sorry? Why is it E again? I think it's the random one. It's because uh, it was in Guy and Guy. I was going to make some up if I had a joke. <laughs> so, I was no, it's not for it's not for you. Never mind it. It's because it was discovered by a guy named Eddie. I made that up. He just he just uh, already did A through D for other stuff, so he just used the E for it. Might be, yeah, it may never be something that simple, right? <coughs> it's just a constant, just like pi is a constant. I get that. Yeah, that, that's all you have to worry about. Kind of good. <laughs> So that's a bit of it. Again, if you've taken some calculus, you know that's a little bit of an easier logarithm. Uh, sorry, uh, integral take. It's still hard, but you can see it's simplified some because we've taken the mu and turned it into zero, and we've taken the sigma and turned it into one. This is pro so. What we've done basically is this: we've taken that's the background of why we turn things into z scores. Well, basically doing that, turning that equation up for the natural, sorry, for, the, for, for a normal distribution, 
with the mean of mu and the standard deviation of sigma into one with the standard deviation of one of mu of zero, that's actually what we've done. So, so that allows us to do this. It's, it's exactly the last what, equation. The last equation is the, is this. So it's turning everything into z scores. Because remember that we've turned mu into zero, and we've turned sigma into one. So this is actually doing that in the deep math behind all this stuff is what allows us to do this. It's very simple. This, in fact, right now in 2126, I imagine. Uh, I think it's Thursday nights when he teaches stats, and I imagine he is using a very similar example, except he's not talking about the calculus. So we find out the two z scores, negative 0.32 and 0.466. What's the probability of between 0.32 and 0.466? It's 0.310. I'm not going to talk about how to look things up in a z table. You should know how to do that. And the chance of me testing you. Right, you know, like, so do this. So we, we, we standardize our data using the z-distribution to make it normal with mean of zero and a variance of one. Because then we can look things up on a table. And that table tells us the probabilities. Funny, funny joke. Yeah. Put the clear podium right in the middle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Leiderman thing Leiderman did years ago, like 30 years ago. What happens when you put a mine inside a clear box? Like, actually put a mine inside a clear box? He doesn't just do this. He goes, I'm in this box. <laughs> So someone actually did the calculus work. That's the thing you have to think about. So when you look things up in those tables, someone actually did this calculus for you. Some graduate student, a very long time ago, before any of us were born, did the calculus for every possible value of z. Exactly. <laughs> every time you look something up in a table like that, say thank you, unnamed student who gets no credit whatsoever, for doing this calculus work. By hand. So now you just look at the z tables. And by extension, we move things up to t tables and f tables and square tables, etc. Because someone did all this calculus for us. There's also a nice web tool. I got a link there, but instead of following the link, I'm going to show you. And I'll show you in a sec what happens. There's the link. What this web tool allows you to do is literally just put in the variance, the standard deviation, and the scores, and say, oh, you want between those two, or you want just not those two, or what? And there's stuff like this all over the internet. This guy's website is great. You get him late. He does a lot of, he's a stats author. And also knows how to write nice little software bits, so he, he put those two things together. 
So this is what it looks like on his website. Oh, look. Mean of zero, standard deviation of one, between negative 0.32 and positive 0.466. And it tells you the error. Done. You can tabulate it and play around with the Z distribution or Z table yourself, and that's the problem. But this is a nice way to do it as well. It also shows you a picture, which is great because one of the things, and I think, I don't know how, how much uh, Dwayne concentrates on this in 2026, but I'll say that I think it's important to draw yourself pictures when you do problems like this. Because it should tell you, you should be able to look at that and go, oh yeah, that's. Looks right, it's about a third. Yeah, okay. A little under a third. Mm -hmm. Questions so far? Dave, I have the same mean and the same standard deviation as you, but I, my between values are different. My, my distribution looks different, that's what I want. Your between values are different. Did you put them in? No, I thought they calculated them. You've got to select between. You've got to select between and put the values in. Why do you have to do that? Because that's what you're asking. The question's asking you to do. Okay. Yeah, the question's at, the question was asking what. So basically, the point of this is just to see the distribution. Yeah, it sees it and then also calculates it for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can do it with the Z table, which you probably learned how to do. Is what I know yeah. you learned how to do in twenty one twenty six. Or you can do it. My calculator will do this for me. Okay. Because it has a Z function built into it. Okay. Right. It doesn't really matter how you get there. The point is, it's all doing it the same way. It's all doing it by, in the background, doing calculus. Okay. Shoes untied. Don't fall over. They're on the leg of that kind of First thing, honestly, every time I look something up in a statistical table, and I, when I do stats for my own work, I almost always do it by hand because I design simple experiments. Seriously. Um, my PhD work had thousands of data points, but at the end, did a very simple calculation of these thousands of data points. For a while, no. Tens of thousands of data But very often with students, with my honor students, um, they do an experiment and we just sit down and do it by hand because it's, it's like, or we could fire up SPSS and we script the boot and then try to, oh yeah, we've got to set up the data set mark and say, what it means? Okay, here you go. It's just, it's not that hard to do. So I often do it by hand, then I look it up in a, in a table, and, and literally every time I look something up in a, a Z table, a T table, a square, a F table, I think to myself, thank you whoever did the calculus for me, so I didn't have to do it. You should do that. Um, so we look things up. In a table, or using a web, web tool, or using SPSS, or, or you know, uh, Excel does key tests and Z tests. Google Docs, uh, the Google Spreadsheets does. They all do. So now we can do it that way. So none of this stuff I, I don't think is very scary. You were all taught this stuff 
how to look to find the probabilities between two values. Now I hope you know why this works, not just that it works. You were told in 2126 to accept this because Pope Dwayne said it was true when you were Catholic. <laughs> Be a great name for a pope, wouldn't it be? Pope Dwayne? Yeah, it's a good name. Or a hat, big hat. Actually, he dressed up, dressed up as the pope for a Halloween party years ago. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Here we go. Do those pictures still exist? Hmm? Do those pictures still exist? I have them. <laughs> They're on my Facebook. I, I'm not going to say this. I'm not lying. I know where they are because I think they exist. That's awesome. Come on. It's not even embarrassing. It's a picture of Dwayne dressed up like a, well, maybe not a big cardinal. No, but it's something you got to see still. Yeah. Oh, I was, a, I was a, a reporter, like in the 30s, and the whole night I talked like this. See? <laughs> Paul was Duff Man. Which was great. It was probably the best costume. So Paul was not there. What else? What other people were? Can't remember. Well, I do remember, but the sun is not telling me something. Um, nothing bad. I just. Paul wouldn't mind if I told you he dressed up like that. Dwight wouldn't mind if I told you he dressed up like that. I'm not going to tell you anything else. Can you tell us what the costume was? No. No, I'm not going to tell you anything. Because you might guess who it is, and then somebody will say that's an invasion of my privacy or something, and then I don't know, I'll get sued by somebody. This is on the internet, it's open internet. Somebody will sue me. So, this isn't scary, but now you know what. Questions about this stuff? Very often we're going to end early, and we end early because I know this stuff fills your brain. You don't want to stop. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>
Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for da- uh, Dr. Dave Brodbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures at Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh- uh, um, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to match them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me, and I'll find uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, what I call them show notes or blog posts. So uh, you know, buy these people's music; they're they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>